how do you have that conversation? What is what does it look like when you cut people? Yeah. So, I mean, the conversation is is that you're cutting them most likely because they're not performing. Nine times out of ten, they're not performing. Rarely do you have someone who's performing you have to cut. That's a different conversation. But this one is you're really you're really letting them like like you're almost you're almost doing the. I know it kind of sounds kind of funny, but it's it's the it's not you, it's me, right? Like we're letting you free. Like we we know that whatever we're doing, what our company does, isn't serving you. I don't know if this is going to be a good partnership long term. I understand you're not making money. I, you know, these are the th- these are the problems, and we don't want that for you. Um, so I think it's best we part ways, right? And that's that's really the conversation. Um, I don't think that you should bring any frustration to those meetings. I don't think you should bring any, you know, any resent any. You should bring nothing but all I want is the best for you, and I know the best isn't here. Welcome back, real estate rock stars. I am Shelby Johnson, and I am here with Ramon Casaus. He is out of Albuquerque, Phoenix, in the Denver markets. He has been an agent since 2017, is a team leader now with 40 on his team, and they've closed over 1,700 closings, and in the past year, $165 million in volume. Just, just a little bit. Ramon, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Yeah, of course. And you nailed my last name, by the way. That was perfect. Dude. Well, that's I got to practice it three times before I hit record. <laughs> yeah, you got the last name points for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, so someone who's listening to this is like starting out in real estate and they're like, what, 1,700 homes closed? Like, no way. So can you just real quick, I know you've been on a ton of podcasts and said your story a million times, but take us back for a quick like wave tops of your story, please. Yeah, I'm, um, you know, I got my license actually when I got out of college and you know, to be honest with you, I was a pretty bad agent. Like I wasn't like a, I was by no means some standout, like beginner's luck first year by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, I think that in that first year, just like everyone, most agents, you're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks. But I think that what you ultimately start figuring out is that there's usually another gear you have inside of you. You just haven't actually tapped into and whether it's because you, you know, maybe you are struggling financially and you don't want people to think that, or maybe you're nervous to ask for business because you don't want to seem like you're, you know, like you, like you're begging or you're, you, you're, you're annoying somebody, like whatever the things you get mental block in your head. Once I started figuring out that literally the only person holding my career back was me, um, a lot of things started changing. And, you know, from selling a house once every, uh, once every couple months to selling more than a house a day and literally every single mistake and lesson in between we've been through. So it's been a, it's been a fun ride so far of six years. Um, and yeah, I always, I no joke. I always feel like we're just, I always say it too. We're just getting started. Like wait till we get good. That's, that's still how I feel today. Dude, I, I feel very similarly, and I've been doing this since 2018 now. And in the beginning, it was like survival, just you know, the next month, the next two months, the next six months. And now I've extended my time horizon, so it's like the next sure. ten years. And it just—it's a really cool, different way to look at it. So I'm totally with you. I feel like now is the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um. Question. So before we hit record, and and I know you know you've done a ton of closings and you're a team leader, but we were talking a little bit about place and how your team is backed by place. So like, what could you real quick, what does, what does that mean? What is place and how has it changed? You know, how is it integrated into your business? 
<clears throat> yeah, well, you know, I really like what you said about extend. I, that's actually a theme I use a lot is extend your your time horizon, right? And when you when you start really treating, and I know this is like cliche, but when you start treating your real estate business like a real business, you will become fixated on uh, two numbers. One is total GCI, total revenue, and then net profit. Every other number, volume, units, you know, how many agents you have is like literally all irrelevant. And so once you start figuring that out and you extend your time horizon because you realize that, oh, if I start with maybe a net of $100,000 this year and I grow that by 10 to 20% every single year for the next 10 years, you have a really big business in 10 years from now. But a lot of times we're only thinking about the next month, 10 days, 10 months, a year. And so the reason I found place attractive is because... There's two gentlemen in the real estate world um, that are both uh, Keller Williams agents named Ben Kinney and Chris Suarez. Um, they they pretty much wrote the playbook, the roadmap, if you will, on profitable and productive sales teams. Not only did they write the playbook, but they also exemplified that with their organizations they built, um, where Ben Kinney was doing about 6,000 transactions annually, um, upwards of $40 million of GCI annually. So they're like the Michael Jordans of team leaders, right, in our industry. And so what they did was they came together and they basically took everything that made them successful in their real estate teams across the country. The lead generation models, um, the split structures, the financial, financial and accounting, um, the HR, the um, training, the support, the benefits. Um, the structure, everything you can think of, right? Like what they were doing, brought it together all in one, all under one piece of technology. So Place is not a brokerage; it's a it's a technology company, and they take that and built a platform that they now go and partner with other top one percent teams across the country, um, and essentially provide them with all the resources, training, and support to build really massive businesses, just like they did. So the reason why Place was attractive is I think it's the team for team leaders, right? That makes sense. Like, why does somebody join your real estate team? Well, they go, oh, if I combine my resources with Shelby's resources, I create a bigger opportunity for myself and faster. That's the definition of a good partnership, right? So it's really the same exact concept, except from the team level, from the ownership level. If I take what I've built and and partner with what place provides, we put it together. Do I create a bigger opportunity for myself, for my agents and faster? And the answer to that is an absolute yes. Okay. So vaguely foggy, it makes sense, but like tactically. So hypothetically, I'm a team leader and I have a small local team and um, I have some of those things that you're talking about. I have some training. I have, you know, some systems, some HR, some finances, but probably I'm overwhelmed. I am frustrated. There might be a lot of turnover. Um, maybe I love sales and I don't like to be bogged down in the operations. So hypothetically, like I exist. And then I come to place and do I just like adopt all of their, like what specifically is place doing? for yeah. me? I, I don't great, know. Is that even yeah. the right question? No. Yeah. And it's, it is a lot like the, even just the like learning process of place is literally four call, separate calls because 
it is it is it not being done anywhere else in the industry. So yeah, what it does for you, well, let's back up to that that team leader, right? Let's just talk about teams for a sec. Most teams have a net profit below 15%. If you take the operator, aka the owner, if you take their commissions out of the actual revenue of the company, most teams are not even profitable to begin with. And most team leaders, um, whether they know it or not, whether they've actually outright said it, is they want a life in real estate that doesn't revolve around them having to show every home, have to take every listing, have to scramble their plans on every weekend, every Saturday, every Sunday, a guessing game. There's really no clear path on how to get to that point. And so what Place provides you with is a roadmap structure right, on how you can build a business that your net profit equates to enough money to where you are not necessarily having to be the top producer of your own company for the rest of the time running it. Um, and how they do that is just an example. This is just one example is instead of you, and when I say you, uh, tracking your numbers, how there is a wide, when I say that, it's a wide variety of how people track their numbers. Look how you laugh. <laughs> Well, it's just, it's funny because I've been there, right? Like you're just so much money's coming in. I'm doing like basic Excel, like, okay, I spent this much. I brought in this much. I think I made about X. I'm going to, you know, plus or minus 10 grand, right? Like, but what Place does, for example, is you have a full-fledged accounting department and team, and you have a monthly meeting with your CFO on a monthly basis to review the financial health of your business. All the categories, all the P&Ls, the balance sheets, the historicals, everything's built out for you. And here's what's cool about that. You now have, with Place, there's about 270 other teams that are with Place. Now, remember, you have to be doing 100 transactions or more to even, even have a conversation with the company. But now, when they look at me, they can go, okay, Ramon, you have a team that has a location in three markets that's doing 400, 500 transactions or more. So for teams your size, your average employment expense for a profitable team is about 18%. You're at 25%. So you're 7% higher than the average. Let's figure out why that is. So it's cool because now you're using data to know where what knobs to turn within your financial health of your business. Um, and again, you have the entire team that's there to support that and, and run those projections and help you with all of your accounting. So now that removes one big component from a team leader's life. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I can go worry about pushing revenue and pushing sales. So that's just one example. But now take that into HR, take that into training your ops people, take that into hiring your first director of sales, take that into your 90-day onboarding program. Like Take that to every single aspect of your real estate business, and there's a system and support to help run it more effectively and efficiently. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially having been a traditional team leader. Um, I think back and I'm like, the only, the roadmap that I knew of was the millionaire real estate agent book yeah, by Gary Keller. Sure. And and it's, you know, it still has like, when you're reading it, I think it had like fax machines. It had like something like very dated. And um, you do also feel like you're on an island, you know? So there's like team leaders, but you're so busy and you're all like, hypothetically competing against each other, whether it's for agents or market share or deals or whatever. So I can see how this would be desirable. And listeners, just so you know, we're going on this tangent because if you haven't heard of Place, it's this thing that is popping up more and more. I heard it first um, probably a year and a half ago. And 
the way it was explained to me, I was like, what? I mean, part of it is really, really, you know, desirable, everything that you just explained. But then the other piece was the, like the split piece, which are you allowed to talk about that? Is that something that you can, can explain how that structure works? The split on like the partnership? The partnership. Yeah. So maybe not split is the right word. Partnership. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so to make it easy to understand, it's a true partnership. So with place, you're going to share in expenses and share in profit, meaning that you make money together. And if you lose money, you lose money together. You have now a vested partner in the success of your business who only makes money when you make money. So it's, it's a lot different than like, oh, I have to pay for this service. Like, no, 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 no. Your success is their success and vice versa. I think what's also interesting about place, like if you're a team leader that's doing 100 transactions or more on an annual basis, like in order for you to build a business that you can either one, one day sell, one day not have to work so intensely in every day, you're going to have to build it bigger. So just know that there's like, there's no other way around it. You have to build a big business. What Place strategically did was position themselves as a technology company and not a brokerage. So community-wise, right? It's remember the top two percent because you have to be doing a hundred transactions or more. So now, as a team leader, my network is top team leaders, top two percent across the country with every brand, every type of brokerage, independent, EXP Realty, Real, Keller Williams, Caldwell Banker, Remax. Like we don't care what brokerage you're with. So now my world and the world for my agents also becomes that top 2% that's collaborating nationally, who's speaking the same language about the playbook, who's speaking the same language with technology. Um, and it's just, a, it's just a, like a, a really different world to be in more than your traditional like, hey, I'm at EXP Realty. I just collaborate with other EXP Realty agents, right? So it's, it is a very interesting concept. And there's a reason why Goldman Sachs invested $100 million into the platform in 2020. Um, that's a billion-dollar valuation. Place is going to be publicly traded in the coming years. Um, it does have an obligation to go public. And I think with that, there is a lot of opportunity for, for people who, um, who understand how and why Place is positioning themselves in the market. I think it's one of the most competitive ways to be positioned long-term going forward. Real quick, before we get back to the episode, two things I wanted to share. First, thank you so much for tuning in week after week. It really means the world to all of us. Second, we feel like we're just getting started. If you enjoy what we do here, please follow us on this app, share an episode, or give us a quick review. I promise we're working hard behind the scenes to make this show as good as possible now and into the future. Thanks guys, back to the show. Yeah. And I mean, the, the rising popularity speaks for itself too, where it's like when people are talking about it, um, more and more, but, okay. Question about you personally. So you have been an agent since 2017. What year did you start your team and what year did you get with place? So I started, I started, um, a team, uh, six months and I should not have done this six months into the business. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'll never forget. My broker told me that that's a bad idea. Like, don't do that. And I mean, to me, I don't, I didn't know anything. I was like, yeah, more agents, more branding recognition, more sales, like more everything, right? That was literally my concept to my team. Um, but yeah, so I started that in 2017. And then um, we partnered with Place exactly almost a year ago. So a year and a month. We, it was July 2020 when we made it official. 
Okay. Interesting. I did the same thing, but it was month nine where I went to, you know, like the CEO of my firm at the time and was like, I'm going to start a team. And she like patted me on the head and she was like, that's cute. Um, (laughs) But I did. Um, But yeah. And then you experience like, you know, starting the team, a lot of people, it's like, oh, team is the way it's the light at the end of the tunnel. If I can just build a team, then all these other agents will, you know, I'll be able to train and mentor and build a business and that will be my retirement. But a lot of times that's not the reality. Um, Yeah. So, okay. So you've been with place now a year and curious, like, I know obviously you're on this podcast and you're like, place is great, but real talk. You yeah. love it. You struggles. Like, you know, what do you love? What do you hate? Give me real talk. Yeah, for sure. Well, just like anything, right? Um, place, even though it has a multi-billion dollar valuation, it's still a startup at the end of the day. And startup, anyone who's been a part of them or been, you know, in proximity is they're figuring it out as they go. Now, I think place has a big head start, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're not affected by macroeconomic circumstances and the market and all the things that like, it's just, you know, it's still a growing company. Now with that though, I think is also, it's the risk and risk versus reward, right? Like the risk of it not working out and it being a little bumpy versus getting in early, being there for the duration, taking full advantage of the opportunity. It, it could happen or it could, it could, it could go down, right? Like the way I always explain it is places like a rocket ship except it's literally being put together still. Like it's not on the launch pad. It's not flying. It's being assembled. Um, and with that, you can be a key component if you choose to be um, of the assembly. But yeah, it's it's been great. The one thing I'll say about Place that again, the community, I've never been, and I've been a part of a lot of them. I've truly never been a part of a more, uh, of a more um, ambitious and I would say well-rounded community of people who do what I do and have the same experiences and same thoughts and what have you. And I think Ben and Chris are some of the most phenomenal leaders I've I've been around. And to be honest with you, I think a big factor of why Place has, I think, maybe 1% of their teams have ever left. Like, I literally think they have a 99%. Um, I'll have to double check that. But I, the last time I checked, it was 100. I'm just saying 99 because I'm assuming there was some fall off. But um, the reason why they have such a high retention rate is because I think Ben and Chris are some, two of the best leaders in real estate, um, hands down. Yeah, I've actually heard that. There's, you know, a lot of times people will start like a coaching program or whatever the flavor of the week is. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And I just wait because you don't really know until a year in or at least six months or whatever. And I actually, a good friend of mine is with Place. And I was like, yo, dude, how's it going? And he's like, it was the number one best decision I ever made for my business. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really um, very intense and dramatic statement to make. And he Correct. meant it. <laughs> it's oh, wild. Yeah. Well, I, um, I think too, like for me, you know, I, I keep looking forward and I know I'm going to build a big business. And I mean, just being in the same ecosystem as a Ben Kinney, like I want to be around people who have been in my shoes and are now taking a billion dollar company public, starting off as literally going door to door, door knocking. That's how this guy started, right? Chris Suarez, same thing. But like, that's the type of people I want to be around. And I, and to be honest with you, there's not many. Totally. In the residential real estate world, there's not many I can say like, hey, I want to be, I don't want to be you, but I want to learn from you. You're the type of person who I want in my proximity. And I mean, can you like seriously door knocking to taking a multi-billion dollar company public? Like, it's wild. You just can't make this stuff up. And that's the people I want in my, in my ecosystem for sure. 
Yeah. I love that you're talking about that. Uh, I think about that a lot too. And I think about, you know, there's a lot of people too, who maybe you're a new agent, you're just starting out and they're like, Oh, like I want to be in the same room as Ramon or, you know, whatever. And you, this is a little bit of a tangent, but when people are like, Oh, like mentor, I'm looking for whatever you can have Ramon's mentorship in the form of his podcast. You know what I mean? Until you level up. It's like, if you don't have the people in your life who you feel like are the, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? If you are not around them physically, read their books, listen to their podcasts, intake their social media, but unfollow everyone else on social media, only intake those, you know, whoever total, just, I think about that a lot too. And then I'm like picking the people who are podcasting, like who I want to spend. There, you know? there is, there is like a total full circle moment to speaking of that is like when you want to, and this goes, for, I just think this is a rule of thumb for anyone that you want to be around that might be doing something at a higher caliber than you is you have to build something worth their time, even looking at like, 100%. like that. So like Ben, like you said, like, it's funny. I actually showed Ben, my dad in 2016. So he got his license before I did just for fun. He's a, he's a custom home builder. And he, so what he basically did was sold all my family's real estate. And then I got my license. So there was no more business to do for anyone. Like, <laughs> gotcha. Not purposely, but I always made fun of him for that. But he sent, he would send me these videos. I don't know if you remember uh, this guy named Jeff Manson with uh, keeping it real real estate. He owned mm-hmm. the, um, he owned the CRM uh, that was called real geeks. Okay. Any, Anyways, he used to have these shows and he had one on Ben Kinney, how to sell 600 homes, how Ben Kinney sells 600 homes in a year. I still have the email where he forwarded it to me and I watched it and I watched it again and again and again. And that, I watched that series a lot. I really loved them actually, uh, Jeff Manson stuff. But then come full circle 2022, I meet Ben for the first time. And I wasn't doing 600. We were more like 550 that year, but I'm just going to round up and say it was 600. Yeah. But it was just cool to be like, then we were actually talking about working with each other, but it all came. And I, when I watched the video, I was doing no sales. So it's zero. Yeah. I was like, how the heck can you sell 600? Yeah. And then five, six years later, we're doing that. And then you're talking about a partnership, right? So it's just like, but on that, on that path and trajectory, like, yeah, you're listening to all the stuff and you're, you're, you're doing it in real life, right? Like you can go to all the seminars and watch all the shit, but if you're not actually taking the risk and, and doing the work doing every it. day it, it's it's all it's all for nothing it's wasted when, time i'm so with you i'm curious uh because you've come a long way since 2017 and you are you've par- partnered with place a year ago so what are you doing now in your business like what is your job yeah so um my job is um you know effectively to keep growing our organization but growing is kind of a broad term right Growing for me is increasing our total company's GCI and then managing and, of course, increasing our profitability. Um, Now, we do that in two forms, right? We do that by bringing in uh, phenomenal talent into our organization on a regular basis. And and we do that by going very, very deep in our systems, going very, very deep in our training and support we offer our agents. Um, so in a nutshell, I, I manage that operation. It, we're actually in four states. We have a, we have a, a California team that was it's newer, but um, you know it, that's a lot. Like you know, we went from having one director of sales to four. You know, you go from having just recruiting on a fly to now you have a you know full time recruit uh, talent department. Um, and so you're you're we're learning as we go. But gr- right now in today's economic, I would call it a headwind. 
Um, it's it's really making sure that we're growing in the right sense because not all growth is good growth. Anyone who's imploded a team uh, before or has imploded anything knows that not all growth is good growth. Yeah, you're telling me. That's what I experienced. So year one with our team, it was like really tight knit and um, small and did really well. And that was actually a problem <laughs> because we did so well that it attracted so many people. And I yeah. did not know yet that no, like less is more. And so it goes sure. from like, you know, if you're operating a small team, it's, I, I correlate it to like a jet ski, you know, you want to make a move and you're like, and you can like move really quickly. Yeah. Um, and then the more and more people you get, it's like, oh, now man. you're on a cruise ship you, and now you you're on to, the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be thinking legitimately three months ahead. Like you used to think three weeks, you need to think three months because it just mm-hmm. takes so long. You're right to, to change direction. You know, there there's a weird balance though, right? Like if you're if you're a team leader, like everyone wants the Navy SEALs. Well, in order to get the Navy SEALs, you got to be the one, Navy, right? Oh. Well, you got to be you got to be one. Yeah, that was that's also true, right? Um, but yeah, you want the Navy SEALs, you got to recruit the Navy. I mean, that's just how it works, right? So, I think what where a lot of times teams fall short is they don't have uh, any accountability, especially in that first 30, 60, 90 days and know how to cut people. Because here's what ultimately happens is somebody, this is an analogy, by the way, not a, not, not literal. Someone cuts their finger and they go around your office, they go around your, your team and they bleed on other people. Okay. They ble- that, that cut, right. That little cut bleeds on other people. And then what happens is, is that if that blood ends up drying, it starts to stain the actual fabric of your company, of your people. So what happens is we can't let people cut their finger and be bleeding all over our other team. We got to let them go. Um, you need to just cut, stop the bleeding and get them out because that's called like, that's called like a cancer, right? A cancer in your culture. And the longer it sticks around, that starts to become the norm. And, and you have to get those people out because there's really three people that you're going to run into, right? When you're recruiting. Number one is people who you shouldn't have recruited in the first place. <laughs> you need to get them out right away. Number two is I call them settlers. A settler is going to look around and go, okay, so what do I have to do to, to fit in around here, right? They're going to go, oh, so they say make 100 calls a day, but everyone makes 30. Okay, I'm going to make 30 because that's what, that's what the standard is to, to, to be in this group. And then you have bar raisers, people who raise the bar in your company. Right. So the people, most of your people are settlers. And then you're going to have your bar raisers. And hopefully, as a team leader, you are a bar raiser yourself. But the reality, the reality is you can take a settler to a bar raiser because a bar raiser will pull some settlers with them. The more bar raisers you can go out and find, the more effect, the more your company will grow exponentially. But what happens is, is that we kind of have a little bit of a mix of everything. And those ones you should have never got in business with, they pull everybody down. So that's that's why I see a lot of teams that don't continue to grow is because they just can't cut that bottom piece out. Um, they keep them way too long. Yes. I, I say this a lot where A players want to play with A players. They don't want to play with the B and the C. And so when you make the decision to keep, in, in your analogy, the, the bleeders, <laughs> then what it's doing, those those A players, the the bar raisers, are going to be like, oh, that's acceptable. Yep. This no longer 100%. is the organization that I want to be a part of. And they will go find it or look for it elsewhere. Yep. 
I, it's funny you say that. And when I'm in the recruiting conversation, I say we don't mix C team and varsity. Mm. That's that's my analogy that I get. Bro. So yes, you are hundred percent spot on. <laughs> hey, question. Okay, someone's sitting there and they're listening to this, and they know that they have some some people they shouldn't have recruited. They've got some settlers that are dipping down into the shouldn't recruited. So and they're thinking they're like, I know they should go. How do you have that conversation? What is what does it look like when you cut people? Yeah. So, I mean, the conversation is is that you're cutting them most likely because they're not performing. Nine times out of ten, they're not performing. Rarely do you have someone who's performing you have to cut. That's a different conversation. But this one is you're really you're really letting them like like you're almost you're almost doing the. I know it kind of sounds kind of funny, but it's it's the it's not you, it's me, right? Like. We're letting you free. Like we we know that whatever we're doing, what our company does, isn't serving you. I don't know if this is going to be a good partnership long term. I understand you're not making money. I, you know these are the th- these are the problems, and we don't want that for you. Um, so I think it's best we part ways, right? And that's that's really the conversation. Um, I don't think that you should bring any frustration to those meetings. I don't think you should bring any you know, any resent, any, you should bring nothing, but all I want is the best for you. And I know the best isn't here. Um, and I've learned, I've learned to do this because my way of dealing with people leaving or firing people is once you leave, I never talk to you again or think about you ever again in my entire life. I just have this switch where I make it and I, I could literally never think about you. You work for years together, but that's just how I cope with stuff. It's kind of messed up. My other business partner, he gets mad. He gets pissed off. So like we have this, I kind of just forget about you and he gets upset. But then we realized this is years ago that like the the industry's too small and what you can do is create a reputation for your company that you may not actually be the truth. So what we really try to do is in those times, like we even send cards sometimes and flowers and thank them. Like we make sure and talk make the phone call after and to say, you know, we really enjoyed working with you. Obviously there we just take the extra step to make sure that we are the ones that get to create that last bit of uh, experience with us and that feeling. So you almost can't have anything bad to say. Um, it, it's really weird how we switched that, but like it was just a maturity thing that we had to figure out. And it's, I could tell you it's a game changer when you're more diplomatic in those scenarios. Okay, question. So, so we kind of have an idea of how to let the shouldn't have been recruited people go. How? slash where are you finding your bar raisers? Yeah, that's, 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 a, well, if anyone knows where to find more of them, please let me know. Right. But you know, <laughs> the bar raisers are, I think, I think it comes I, a lot of times bar raisers, they have it inside of them, but they may look like a settler, right? Like they, they, you, they, they don't come off instantaneously as, Oh my God, this person is going to be such a great addition. I think at some point bar setters are and bar raisers are are almost developed, but the way that we find them is through an interview process where we really flip the script on the process. So and it's all in the language, it's all in the small details about how you have the conversation. But really, I'm it's almost our interview process is almost like a giant challenge. Like I'm just gonna tell you literally I mean, this isn't don't take this verbatim, but this is how it feels to me at least is like, we're going to tell you about how hard our program is, how we cut seven out of 10 agents that go through a 90 day launch program. This isn't for the faint of heart. However, the results, these are the results, the people who actually are here, right? We don't mix C team and varsity. 
And, you know, it's a three phase interview. Like you're going to meet three different people in our company and I'm going to, we're going to green light you. And if anyone has a red flag that goes up, it's, it's a wrap. We'll just cut it. But it's really through the process. So by the end of the time, end of the, the thing, they're, they're asking like, you know, if you guys think this is going to be a good partnership, like they're almost pitching you at why they should join your company. And that's the boat I want to be in because now they are coming on with something to prove because of that conversation opposed to like, oh, this was just given to me. Like nobody treats anything good that's just given to them. So now again, we, I just looked at our numbers. We had uh, 45 appointments set last month. We actually had 32 interviews and we passed down 15 agents through that process and we hired five. That was last month. So, you know, five out of essentially 45 commitments, 40 plus commitments is, I mean, we do say no to a lot of agents, but yeah, we usually find the bar raisers in that process because the bar raisers love a challenge. Like they eat that, they eat it up when you challenge Dude, them. As you're saying this right now, I'm not even kidding. Like the competitive person within me is like, oh, you don't take a lot of people. I'm going to show you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Challenge accepted. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's exactly it. And I, I mean, and everyone gets like challenged and everyone responds to challenges in different ways. And I mean, yeah, we get a lot of people that go, you know what? I just don't know if like from a time standpoint, I'm going to have enough if, you, if I can really meet your expectations. And I'm like, hey, I love that, that you told us that because if that's the case, let's hold off, you know, mm -hmm. down the road. If it's something you want to re-explore, you quit that part-time job or whatever the case is like, hey, we like you, but yeah, you're right. We we do need that time commitment. So we leave a lot of appointments like that. Um, and again, if your time horizon is long enough, we're playing the long game. So we have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people we've already come into contact with that we just decided for one reason or another it wasn't the best fit. But doesn't mean we're 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 not saying, hey, maybe in a couple of years things change. Like let's 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 get into business with each other. Totally. Um, do you take new agents? Oh yeah. A quick word on our toolbox. We know it can be overwhelming thinking about all of the systems you want to build into your business, and that is why we ask guests to submit their favorite checklist, template, or tracker so you don't have to build from the ground up. Go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and click Toolbox for your free access. Thanks so much. Love okay. Agents. So they can be new and, and do you, do you have a preference because maybe they're like fresh, they have no bad habits, or do you like the one who, you know, can withstand the storm? You know, people use all the terms like broken wing and all this, like, look, I, I don't, if, if, if I think that you have, and we have our like characteristics set and our, you know, intangibles and questions we asked, like if you fit that MO that I think that I want, like I'll, we will hire you because here's the thing everybody sounds good up front because if they didn't you wouldn't have hired them so at some point you like everyone's so i not everyone i shouldn't say but i hear it a lot it's like oh they have to be xyz i'm like how do you even know like i've brought people on that i thought were going to be amazing and they absolutely flopped and not with me like flopped everywhere after that and i've had yeah. other people who are like i don't know i mean we need the numbers to so bring them on and they just turn out to be insanely successful so I think at some point you just have to have your criteria, they fit it, bring them on. But that's why that 90 day window is so important is because sometimes we'll cut people, they got announced, welcome so-and-so, and then a week later they're gone and no one ever thinks about them again because you don't give them time to like seep in. They right away show you that they're not who you thought they were. And then, you know, we let them go.
So the 90 days, this is like the trial. You're talking to the agent and, you know, we think we're a good fit. So there's a 90. Is it 30, 60, 90, like the typical? It's just, not, um, it's just 90. I mean, it's 90. It's, yeah. What does that look like? So it's a, it's a pretty intense program that's all based around prospecting because we know the number one problem with real estate agents is not that they don't know transactions or not that they don't have know how a home inspection works or the paperwork. It's that they don't have enough clients, bottom line. And so the prospecting is to consolidate as much prospecting as humanly possible into 90 days, along with some training and whatnot. But that's really the test, right? Like day one, hey, you need to have 200. Before you even start the nine-day program, you need 200 sphere of uh, SOI contacts uploaded. Here's the thing. Anyone listening or who's on our team, if you ever find this, just this is the truth. It's not about 200. 200 is not a magic number. It's arbitrary. It's the fact that when they call and they're like to our president of sales, Hey, you know, I only got 170. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm like, I, I, I'm going to ask the gas station attendant, but like outside of that, dude, I don't know. I don't, I can't find any more people. I'm like, don't worry about it. Good. Get the gas station attendant too. But like after that, don't worry about it. But it's the fact where some people go, Oh, 200. That's kind of a lot done. You're oh, out of there. Oh yeah, I got as many as I could. I got twenty five. I'm like, you're done. Like, nope. you. It's just that it's just the bar to see how hard they really try. And some that they go two hundred plus, but like those little tests, you know, make a hundred calls a day, do X, do Y, do Z. It's all spelled out. Um, you know, do you're gonna do fifty showing appointments in your first two weeks? It's roughly five a day. You're gonna do fifty. Why? Because you don't even know the houses that are in your market. You're going to go physically look at them. That's the whole point, right? You're selling them. You need to go see them. And, you know, oh, I don't know, this, that, the other, gas, blah, blah, blah. All right, done. Like, it's just yeah. that simple. So we do a lot of those things um, in the first 90 days. I don't want to go into the whole program, but like, just to get a gist of it. But our agents who do actually do it, like, you will trip over real estate transactions if you complete the program in its entirety because it's so heavily prospecting based so heavily prospecting. Well, that and the fact that, you know, if you do a hundred calls a day and you do 50 showing appointments in the first two weeks, the amount of reps that you're getting into this condensed period of time. And that's like, I think about it, reps are everything. So like my first year I did really well and closed a lot of deals, but it's, it's less about that. And the fact that I condensed time. And so like, by having so many conversations and showing appointments and tests, it just builds this, like it, it can take you from, you know, zero to a hundred very, very quickly. Yeah. Statistically, we have a, um, a stat within place that, um, the amount of prospecting you will do in our 90 day, um, launch program statistically is more than the average agent will do in two to three years in the business on their own. It's also it's also funny too, because like I feel like a lot of team leaders and people who run teams like hear that and they're it's it's all it's all shit you've heard before, right? Like I'm not reinventing the wheel. It's the fact that it's in place and we stick to it. But the, I mean, could you just imagine like I always give this analogy to our team. I have a guy named Nate. He's our director of lead generation. He is also in his spare time like a bodybuilder. He's in really good shape. Nice. Like he's not one of those overly big guys. You know what I mean? He's in really good shape. Like, so I always tell our agents, like, could you imagine saying, Nate, Nate, uh, man, I want to look like you. Like, I want to get jacked. Like, I want to like that whole, I want to just look just like you, man. All right. So, and Nate's like, okay, I can help you. Here is when I go to the gym. Here's the workouts I do. Here's how many reps. Here's what I eat. Here's when. 
Okay, sound good. It's for 90 days. And I'm like, all right, yeah, man, I can't wait. I'm going to look just like you after 90 days, right? I want to, can't wait. And then I go to the gym when I feel like it. I go every other day. And then when I do go to the gym, I do like three-fourths of the workouts that Nate says to do. But then depending on how I feel, I usually do about half the reps. Could you imagine somebody who, could you imagine yourself finishing nine days and be like, why don't I look like you, Nate? It's like, well, you went to the gym 50% of the time. You didn't do any of the right workouts and you didn't, you did half the reps. What do you expect is going to happen? And so now apply that same framework to a 90 day launch program. When you know the agent's going to do half the reps, what do you think the outcome is going to be? And some, oh, well, they have a good sphere or, oh, they're big on social media. I've heard it all. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They're just not going to do it. Yeah. This uh, it reminds me, you probably listen to Alex Ramosi. Uh Yeah, I do. Yeah. So like, you know, how he talks about like the inputs versus the outputs. It's like That's the same point. thing where it's like you focus on the inputs, like do the reps, do the work and wow, the outcome will just happen. And there was yeah. something you said earlier too about like, you know, paying attention. Oh, the things you focus on in your business, you focus on the two main things and everything else is just a distraction. It made me think about like the vanity metrics all of the metrics that don't matter. And the same goes for right, like yeah. when people are looking at the the outputs as opposed to the inputs, they're not looking at the metrics that actually matter. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah you learn that through, I mean, you kind of, at some point, like you stop even looking at other people's stats, you stop caring because all that matters is what goes into your bank account, bottom line, right? From a, just a business owner perspective. And then once you get hyper fixated on that, it kind of directs you on what to do and what to focus on if you want yeah. it to continue to grow. Okay. Uh, more personal questions. Just the last five minutes. Let's shift a little bit. Um, you seem like you have a, a good grasp on business and you've done some self-development, some reflecting. Um, what do you have? Like, What's your morning or nightly routine? Do you have routines? What do you think of impacts your overall personal, um, who you are today? Sure. I don't really, I guess like, I mean, I guess I do have routines, right. But they're not like, if I don't quote unquote do my morning routine, it's not a, like a, it's not really going to matter, but I like to go. It's to another Alex Ramosi thing. Yeah. Oh, does he <laughs> say that? Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I just go to the gym in the morning. Like that's the bottom line. I wake up, drink some pre-workout and I go to the gym. Cause I know that the longer I put that off, the more likely I won't go. And then also, if I don't go to the gym in the morning, I do kind of feel like a piece of shit for the rest of the day. I just, it's just in my head, like, this is why you're losing is because you didn't, I don't know what it is, but so just getting that workout, those endorphins going, like, yeah. I feel better about the rest of the day. Um, there's also health benefits to working out. Who knew? So just going every day, right? It's, it, it can help you out even when you're, you know, not that serious about it. You're just going to work out. But outside of that, at nighttime, honestly, my girlfriend gets pissed at me because I, I shouldn't be looking at my phone and my computer. I literally will look at stuff if I fall asleep. Um, mm. Laptop in bed, whole nine. Like I just damn. So, she she winds down and I get and I like crank up around like eight, nine, ten, eleven. Like I'm like wide awake watching documentaries and stuff. Um, so no, not really. But I will say from like an actual business standpoint, when I was in real estate, even to this day, something I do every night is I do, number one, I look at my calendar for the next day. That's one, and I live and die by that calendar. Live and die. That's why I was 10 minutes early, right? Like you said, because mm -hmm. uh, I schedule it 10 minutes before, you know, like, hey, you need about 10 minutes to get ready. Like every 10 minute increment is scheduled, right? 
um, to give yourself breaks and time. Like I'm very ritual, uh, ritualistic about that, but I'll look at it for the next day. And then I also like, as an agent, I go through phone calls, I go through text message, I go through emails and I go through Slack messages from that day. And I always miss something that I forgot to call somebody back. I forgot to get back to one of my agents. I forgot something. I just write it down in a notebook for the next day. Um, outside of that, I don't really have too many other, um, too many other, like, I guess you could say routines. I mean, it's probably what, the you, extent of them. You mentioned that you don't wind down, you jack yourself up. So what, what is your, how many hours do you sleep? Are you big on sleep? Are you one of those guys who's like, I don't need it? No, I do. You do. <laughs> I need it. All right. <laughs> um, I sleep about, I don't know, six, seven hours a night, but I'm actually really good at like, if I was tired right now, Let's just say I had 20 minutes to my next call. I have this really, really odd skill set where I could probably just fall asleep just like this for 15 minutes and then wake up and I'll feel like I slept two hours. So I, I'm big on if I really need the sleep, I'll, I'll find a way to squeeze it in. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I can fall asleep immediately. Yeah. Uh, biggest, biggest talent I have. But no, um, sleep, sleep is like, a, in all seriousness though, no, sleep is, I mean, you just look at like, what are the most, if you don't feel great, you don't have a lot of energy, what are the most easy things that you can change that are the most simple? Sleep more, drink more water, exercise, eat better food. Like that'll solve about 80% of your physical health being, right? That'll solve it. And so now sleep is, I mean, I get it. Like weekends, I'm asleep a lot on the weekend. Okay. You mentioned food. What do you have like a specific or you just try not to eat processed or you're like a lion diet guy? What do you do? try not to eat too late obviously you kind of have a feeling for when you're eating too much i mean i don't know i just try not to eat you know bad stuff try to eat a lot of fruit a lot of protein don't eat too much pasta and pizza right like kind of there's a limit to all that stuff everything in moderation i try for the most part but no not anything particular um but i think working out consistently for the latter part of a decade is pretty it, it helps me maintain um feeling good about my physical appearance Real quick, as you likely know, the 2024 Real Estate Rockstars Mastermind is sold out. But if one of your preferred vendors is looking for marketing opportunities, we are looking for sponsors. We would love to get their name and business out to 80 highly motivated real estate agents from across the country. Know someone who'd be interested? Go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and shoot us a quick email for more information. Thanks so much. Back to the show. Sam. Um, the sleep, sleep is it for me. Like if I go to sleep at a good time and I wake up, I'm trying this new thing where I don't set alarms and I just, you know, my body. And then I found, I wake up at five every day, whether or not I set my alarm, as long as I go to bed at a good time. And then I'm with you, the working out, drinking water, eating right. It's like what you put into your body, it impacts what comes out of it. And on the days when I, and I, man, I used to, you know, I was in the army. So I used to like, drink and all the stuff and like nothing against it but now when i have like even like one glass of wine the next day oh my god i feel it so i don't know if it's age or it's just now that i'm like paying attention so closely because i'm trying to fine-tune you know the optimization of life it's so it's so wild how alcohol affects your sleep like it i know exactly what you mean it's a night i mean i feel one glass is yeah it's evident so yeah not too much on the drinking side now 
Okay. Last, last question. What's like your latest obsession, whether it's business or like, like, do you have either a book or a person on the internet, or maybe you just learn something and you really want a new, whatever, what is it? Oh yeah. It's actually funny that you mentioned that. So I have this, I've been obsessing over, um, section eight rentals. Hmm. I'm, I'm buying some right now in Ohio. I have feelers out and offers going out in like Alabama and Mississippi. Like I've been obsessed with, um, you know, everyone's heard of the 1% rule of investing, right? Like in a lot of markets, at least the ones I'm in very, very, very hard to achieve. However, like I'll give you an example. I have an offer out on a house right now for about $55,000. So my down payment on this is like 12, 13 grand. And you know, only thing it needs is a maybe like two, three thousand dollars of of actual cosmetic work. Um, it rents for about nine hundred dollars. So I'm like, where are you buying a fifty-seven thousand dollar property and then renting it for nine nine hundred dollars? And so, I've been obsessed with now acquiring these little properties all over these different markets that I've that I found. I've been upset. Like I'm on Zillow every day, looking at. I have them all saved. I have my agents, my spreadsheets, like what offers I'm putting out. I've been having a lot of fun with it. And I mean, the returns are obviously good. And then um, I've been also really obsessing over um, this book called The Banker's Code. Um, and and what it's all about is uh, it's about there's three people you can be in life from a business perspective. You can either be the lender, aka the banker, you can be the producer, or you can be the consumer. The banker always wins. However, you how, the banker funds the producer. The producer creates goods and services for the consumer. The consumer uses loans from the banker to buy the services and buy the goods, right? Like it just talks about how you can be an investor or you can be a banker and how the banker and lending money, the actual art of lending money financially, how do those numbers play out and why it's a much safer and much scalable, more scalable um, way of, uh, of running, a, running a business. And it's been it's been like eye opening because you you read it and these are things like you kind of knew already but when you put it into like layman terms and really see how the numbers all shake out and like who, what party you can be in every type of even real estate transaction who you can be in the transaction the banking side becomes to look more and more and more appealing but I've been obsessing over that book um, I don't really have any like nothing I'm actually physically doing about it just yet but I've been reading it and I've like been thinking about it every day. That's, that's super cool. And, uh, I really, I'm also interested in the lending side more and more. I bought a bunch of rentals over the years and with the rentals, and don't get me wrong. I love in real estate investing, but there's the tenants and there's turnover and there's insurance issues. And there's all these things that eat away at your 12% cash on cash return on investment that bigger pockets, you know, told you you were going to get. Whereas with lending, you know, especially if you're a private money lender or, yeah, private money. Your the rates can be whatever you want them to be, and that's they, they can be damn twelve <laughs> percent. You, you just you just learn about interest rate arbitrage, right? Mm-hmm. And then you learn how you can maximize that spread, right? All the different techniques where the spread you just see, right? I get money for six, I sell it for ten, I make four, but the velocity of money and all the different yeah. concepts you learn about in the book teaches you how that four percent depending on how fast you move it and how you manipulate the numbers can actually turn into quite a bit more over time. And then obviously apply scale and becomes a significant earning. 
You're pretty cool. I like you. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, what events are you going to this year in person, um, if any? I'm actually, this is a really cool one. So um, I, I, I'm I, not at Inman, which is, I think, this week. Um, I usually go to those. But there is, if anyone's ever heard of Broke Agent Media, so everyone knows the Broke Agent. Yeah. Okay. So they actually have a media agency and they have, and by the way, um, now, um, uh, they have an, a phenomenal suite of real estate education of like playbooks 101 on every concept you can think about how to grow your real estate business. It's really cool. It's like literally, I don't know, $15 a month. Like it's like the Netflix of real estate training. No joke. Um, and they have a event on September 20th in Naples, Florida, which is their BAM camp, Broke Agent Media Camp. Um, it's I think it's their first or second one they're doing, um, but it's going to be awesome. And that's on September 20th. Um, I was just talking to Eric, uh, one of the founders, about it uh, earlier this morning. And so, yeah, I'm really excited for that because I think that they're one of the most innovative, up-to-date, like in the mix on what's going on in the real estate world. So I'm super excited to go hang out with those guys and, and be at that event. Dude, that I'm gonna look that up because that sounds awesome. And every like thing the broke agent puts out, I'm like, you must be living it because you're. It's so on point, like yeah. to your soul. But That'd okay, la- last question is: Where can people find you? Hit us with whatever you want. Yeah, I'm. And I'm. I'm most active um, on like Instagram and stuff like that. Uh, that's probably the best way. Um, my first name dot last name. Yeah, I mean that's I'm pretty active on there. I'm always happy to help too. I mean, whatever I get, I do actually. People say I get tons of questions. I actually do get a lot of questions about real estate. People like even just wanting to get their license, or I'm thinking about starting a team, or like blah 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 blah. Happy to help with any of those. I truly enjoy it. But yeah, that's probably where I'm most active on. Perfect. And we will have your Instagram handle linked into the show notes. And listeners, if you want to hang out with me and the owner of the show, we are The Shelby Show and Aaron Amugastegi on the gram. So please hit us up. We want to know how to improve and who you want on the show. So, And otherwise, guys, that is all we have for today. Ramon, thank you so much for coming on the show. And Real Estate Rockstars, thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.